if their path was arrested in Ontario. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But there were there were more than one Sunday night or Saturday night that last winter in January where I did sit my wife and kids down and say, okay, if I get arrested tomorrow, this is the way it's going to go down. So just ready yourself. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Well, welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. We're here tonight with the one and only Pastor Jacob Rayom. Rayom. And he's going to make sure I say that right all night because I am not Canadian nor French. What's the origin of the of the name? It's actually you said it was my, my family's origin is Quebecois. They've yeah, we that so okay. Quebec, right? Quebecois. Yeah, yeah. French Canadian. French Canadian. Sounds, oh, okay. It just sounds right? fancy when you say it that way. Is that where the French vanilla coffee flavor comes from? It could be. <laughs> it could be. No. I don't think no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. We're thankful for the time that you're uh, joining us. And you're joining us from the Great White North uh, in Alberta. Is that correct? Actually, I'm in Ontario. So why don't you tell me these things? Well, you didn't ask me. I would have told uh, you that they're at Trinity so Bible you're not Chapel. Two didn't? hours behind us. You're only one hour? Are you guys Eastern Standard Time? Yeah. Yeah. So we're on the same time zone. Oh, man. But I am oh. sorry. Thinking tonight you would actually be in the early time zone. This is unfortunate. That's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get. Do you want me to intro his church? They're they're in Waterloo, Ontario. Do. No, just clearly, do I'm just going to screw everything up tonight. No, it's fine. You know what? I'll just take it from here. Uh, <laughs> Why did you even have me start? <laughs> I don't know. Why are you even on this podcast? I really don't know. I'm leaving. Oh, um, but yeah. So, uh, so Pastor Rayom, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, your, you know, your family, if you'd like, and then just kind of what what Trinity Bible Chapel is and where they've been this past uh, eighteen to twenty months ish. Well, I'm happily married for twenty years, and we had our twentieth anniversary this past summer. I have five kids, a son, and then uh, four girls, and then another baby on the way. Oh, and, praise God! Amen. Uh, and We've been at Trinity Bible Chapel for 12 years, and I started the church at the church. Um, we met in a little chapel above uh, in a Bible college, had about 45 people there my first Sunday. And um, then we, we've grown slowly and then, and then a little faster and then a little faster. And then this whole thing came upon us. <laughs> And then exploding. <laughs> well, we've we've got we've got, had a lot of new people come within the last year and a half. That's for sure. So, um, we're I, I don't know about our church. We're it, it's a it's a younger church. <laughs> we just started a classical Christian school a uh, a year ago. Yes. King Alfred Academy is the name of the school, and nice. it's growing very uh, quickly too. So, mm-hmm. good. We're, Jesse, you enjoy classical. I do enjoy classical Christian education. That's excellent. I enjoy it as well. But it's not about me. I enjoy it as well. It's not about you. I added a question about education for later, though. Of course you did. (laughs) Jesse is one of Jesse's big hangups is education. He's he's and he's good. He's good on it. And we agree. We're very we're very similar. Mostly. (laughs) I just want to say you're married 20 years. You look up. I was. I must be aging horribly. You look amazing. I just want to say that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you married when you were, were you like 10 years old when you got married? I started really young up there. How old do I look? I did. I, I looked. I no. you couldn't be older than me. And I, I mean, I feel like I got married pretty young and I've been married 15 years. The The question was, how old do you think he looks? Well, I'm, I'm 37. To... So I didn't think you were older than 37. I just turned 40. Oh, there you go. Well, then you did. You did. Get married pretty young. That's great. Yeah, yeah. We were 19. Nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, everyone said we were crazy, but I, I have one regret regret about when we got married. I wish I got married younger. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, we have that conversation a lot. Yeah. I mean, I got married when I was 20. That's good. 21. And people thought we were all crazy. Yes, so <laughs> they did. When the average age of getting marriage is uh 35, uh, that is pretty crazy then. At least in the states, I don't know. You're getting married for your midlife crisis. It's not a, it's not a good it's not thing. A good 
No, we were teenagers. Yeah, that's awesome. So you start, you just, you know, look, you only get so many years to build the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. You start building it at home. Why, why waste time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're on board with that. Yep. <laughs> yep. We have a, we have a bunch of fun questions for you tonight. Some generated from those inside the very Canada in which you sit right now. Well, I want to know what's happened in Trinity. This oh, you past. did ask that. That was yeah. the third. That I wanted to know what's been going on. Uh, I mean, you, I know, I know you guys have made some headlines. We've seen the videos that Trinity Bibles put out. Production quality is really, really good. Tight. Um, very tight. I, I saw you spoke, spoke, speaking at uh, what was it? The worship, worship at the square or event um that was in waterloo yeah, yeah. so um so what where's what, where's trinity been this past year and a half as far as uh honoring honoring christ as king and then what what were the consequences of that for you in uh, in waterloo well so we locked down in march uh, like i guess most other folks did and the last sermon that i preached when we were together I warned the church not to trust the government and not to look to them as a a savior. And then I immediately started to um, question what was going on and was very uncomfortable with the entire situation when they started to shut down churches and then shut down businesses. I, I learned very quickly that the Corona, I mean, I was a little concerned about the coronavirus for about, I'd say a week. Mm -hmm. And then after after the week, maybe 10 days, once they changed the messaging from two weeks to flatten the curve to something else, and I figured they were lying. Um, but we never, like, we were always, we were always with people, I guess you could say. So I remember the first day we had a, we had a lockdown here in Ontario. We were hanging out with a bunch of people <laughs> out. And so we, we never really bothered much with it. And then we started um, getting together with with more and more people and I started to speak out against the lockdowns and then I was trying to get my elders board and church on the same page and that was a real challenge to the point where in June when the lockdowns were over I I, I worked I worked with um, behind the scenes but I, I worked with Aaron Rock a bit on trying to get the province of Ontario to allow the churches to reopen again lawfully but well, that was all going on. I was trying to get my church on the same page because I'd already come to the conclusion in my mind that we need to meet whether the government gives us permission or not. But um, the church wasn't all there on that particular point. And so we had, um, I guess you could call it a disruption in our church in June, just as things were starting to open up in 2020. And we had to, we had to work through some things. And that took, uh, I'd say, from June till the end of the summer to get everyone for things to settle down and had to have some, I don't know, it was just a tough time as a church, I guess you could say, but we had to act on faith and act on and then by, by the winter time. So leading into Christmas, it was pretty obvious that we were going to go into another lockdown. So our elders drafted a statement called here we stand, the church must meet whereby we distilled um, why we believe that the church must meet with or without the government's permission. We, we presented our scriptural position, and then we presented our legal position based on Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And then right after Christmas is when we went into the lockdown. Christmas Eve, I had three, no, two police officers visit me uh, just before our Christmas Eve service, warning us not to open um, that Sunday. So I can't remember what the Christmas Eve was, whether it was a Friday or Thursday night. We had a Christmas Eve service, but they said, if you open Sunday you're going to be opening illegally. And we'd already he told your house. No, no. He visited the church when I was. Oh, okay. Christmas oh, okay. Did he stay for the service thing? though? Yeah. Did he stay for the gospel? Did he get it? <laughs> no, no, they didn't come for the service. They came. Uh, uh, well, yeah. And they, they wanted to, I sent the chief of police a letter and the mayor a letter saying we were going to open. And I wanted to invite them to the church because they, the chief of police certainly supported the Black Lives Matter protests um, that year. And uh, so I figured he'd support our um, our gathering. And I invited him to come and support us just like he supported another illegal gathering, right? Yeah. Well, he wasn't as supportive of us as he was of the Marxist rallies in Kitchener. Mm-hmm. So curious. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. I mean, how that works. It, it is. It is. And so, but they did, they, they surrounded our church, really. There was four or five police cars, cruisers on our campus that first Sunday we were opened illegally. Um, and we didn't know what they were going to do. We got, all the elders got visited by the cops that Wednesday night. Um, they delivered us tickets in our home, at our homes for opening the church. Each ticket is, I think, a maximum $100 fine, $100,000 fine if you're in jail. And then we opened the next Sunday, same thing. And then we um, met in our parking lot for two weeks. And then we had a court order against us and we opened in contempt of court um, on a Sunday. And that was a massive deal. The media went crazy over that. And it, it was just, the church became a real lightning rod by that point in, in Canada, uh, right across the country. Um, and here we are, right? <laughs> convicted of contempt of court two times i've been charged for violating the you know reopen ontario act which is essentially the lockdown orders 11 i have 11 charges against me for that convicted of two mm -hmm. counts of contempt of court mm -hmm. our church has is on the hook for i think 220 dollars for contempt of court fines that we have to pay they won't be contested so and, and we're meeting now. We were locked out of our building for four months. And and now we're back in our building. And we're wondering whether there's going to be another lockdown. Because here in Ontario, we're experiencing all these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. I don't know whether you have those down there in New Jersey. But they're going to see the um, coronavirus in Ontario. So Well, we've, we've got an election for the governor in November. So we're assuming that after he gets reelected, that's when we'll see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If yeah, well, this is the new, this is the new salvation from coronavirus is vaccine passports. Yes, yeah. a piece of can protect you from a lot of things, right? Yeah, like the the mask didn't work, the two week lockdown didn't work, um, fining me hundreds of thousands of dollars didn't work. So maybe vaccine passports will work. I don't know. Yes, if only the vaccine passports lead you to more. Fines, then that'll probably be what really works. Because that, but that'll probably solve the coronavirus. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Right? <laughs> and then really all curious. we do is congratulate you. You know, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Pastor Ray Holm, for solving coronavirus through. <laughs> no, I'm the biggest. So we live in Waterloo Region. This is about six hundred thousand people in the region, and so I, you know, I'm the most notorious super spreader in Waterloo Region. I'm still well, thankfully, I haven't heard any <laughs> cases yet through Zoom, so we should be okay, Jesse. <laughs> should be. <laughs> achieving, achieving herd immunity one Sunday at a time. That's, <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's crazy, you know? I hear it's more effective. Uh, I hear natural immunity is more effective than, <clears throat> according to some studies. Boy, it depends on what site you <laughs> frequent. So they haven't put the vaccine passports I haven't ordered them into the churches yet. So it'll be interesting to see when that happens, how many churches stand up. I don't know. Well, my gut says the only church in a region of 600,000, 600,000 people that stood up. Um, apparently there was one other church meeting secretly outside of town, you know, a small little church. They didn't get any attention. So good for them for meeting secretly and going below the radar. But other than that, we didn't really have any support locally. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I feel like many of them up there probably already enacted <laughs> their own vaccine passports or versions of, you know, proof of vaccination for worship. I know I know we critiqued the Calgary Herald. I mean, I know it's in Calgary, but we critiqued the Calgary Herald where the man was arguing for it. And we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, so the two major evangelical Baptist seminaries and Bible colleges in Ontario have mandated vaccines for all their professors faculty and students so if you don't get a vaccine you have to get the, the test on a regular basis and and watch the propaganda video i think but um you know like a psa oh my gosh like a what's that there's like a psa video yeah so it's a video of of how you're you're putting your life in jeopardy for not getting the oh. vaccine oh i know my. someone that watched it so someone told me the other day that they watched it and they basically said they didn't cite any scientific evidence, no scientific research. It was just some public health bureaucrat 
telling you how it's so dangerous not to get the vaccine. So it was, it, it was nothing of essence. I haven't seen it, but a lot of these organizations. It's pretty much been the past two years has been public health bureaucrats telling us, yeah. um, you know, how evil we would be. Should we embrace another human or, you know, talk to them, possibly look at them in too close a distance. Yeah. Been a little, just a smidge, smidge ridiculous. Just yeah. a little, just a It's very, uh, 1984 Ministry of Truth type. Yeah. EBGBs. They, they love us and have our best interest in mind. Yeah. yeah. Stay soft, stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> I got the sweatshirt. <laughs> That's a good, I've got That's the good. mug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just, the there, there is a rumor up here in Ontario that I'm behind the Gelding Coalition. And just for the record, I'm not. You're not Andy Soyboy? I I am not behind the Gelden Coalition, and I don't know who is. So yeah. I, I'd like to keep it that way. Probably for the better. Yeah. Right. Those guys say some <laughs> stuff. But I, I, I would lie if I said I haven't had a few chuckles over the. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> Raul Cartier. <laughs> <laughs> that one's definitely my favorite. Uh, it all oh, Paul Carter. Oh, Paul Carter. All right. So, uh, oh, <laughs> so with all these, uh, so with all these fines. So now, what we were told of Canada, right, is that Alberta, the province of Alberta, you know that it's a province. Why am I explaining? Do you know it's a province? Anyway, so uh, we were told that Alberta is kind of like Texas North, like it's supposed to stand for liberty, kind of be that kind of like go getter, conservative, conservative ish province but that's the one that's jailing that's the one that's jailing all the pastors why why do you think that um why do you think that you weren't put in prison after all these fines i know i've watched videos of you kind of almost lamenting uh that you know james and tim were in prison and you wish that you were there with them uh if i remember the if i remember the 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 video correctly so why do you think that ontario didn't take that that level of commitment to their cause just to be clear, I haven't, I, I don't desire to go to prison, but I did, I remember when James was arrested, I, I felt like, you know, I, there was a part of me, it's like, man, I should be in there with the guy, right? Because. Yeah, right. That was yeah, a great clarification. Yes. Yeah, we've been walking. You're, not a, you're not a masochist. Or something. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I have, I have no, I have no answers to that question. God knows, I guess. And. They're different jurisdictions, and Alberta has decided to arrest pastors. Ontario has decided to find pastors and elders and churches, and and that's the, the route they've gone. If there's another lockdown this year, I wouldn't be surprised if there are pastors, if there are pastors arrested in Ontario. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But there were there were more than one Sunday night or Saturday night that last winter in January where I did sit my wife and kids down and say, okay, if I get arrested tomorrow, this is the way it's going to go down. So just ready yourself. And I have a little note from my 11 year old daughter telling me how she felt about the thought of me being arrested. It's quite sweet actually, but yeah. Now we're, now we're crying. That's so. rough. That's <laughs> yeah. Rough. She wrote it to me on, uh, I think it was on Sunday morning. She, she left it for me or, or gave it to me or something, but it was a little note that she said because I told them I could get arrested. We were ready for sure for the cops to to come in and, and pull me out, but it never did. It never did materialize, and I'm not I'm not disappointed. Yeah, here it is, January second, two thousand twenty one. So that's a Saturday. My daddy might get arrested, but I am not scared because I know that God is with me. If daddy gets arrested, my mom will probably drive us to the. She lists the friend's house where they were going to stay. And my daddy um, might be the first pastor to be arrested. So that, that title didn't go to me, of course. That went to Pastor James Coates. But anyway, the kids were ready and my wife was ready. And it was, uh, it was a hard time. No one knew what was going to happen. And nobody knew how far the law was going to take it. And um, now we know what they're willing to do. Yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like they're just trying to like bankrupt potentially you they're aiming it in a financial way towards your church as opposed to yeah do they do they have some sort of interest in trying to own churches like what is the weird obsession that canada has with 
with with you and 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 Aaron Rodgers Church trying to own them. It's just it seems crazy to me. Yeah, I don't know. They don't. I don't think they understand the forces that they're dealing with, though. And that's mm, that's a hundred percent. Well, that's for absolute certain. Amen to that. They don't know the story of Philistines taking the 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 Ark of the Covenant, right? And mm. these are things that they should know. Mm-hmm. Part of my theory in this has been the, the more trouble we get in and the harder the government beats on us, the sooner the judgment of God's going to fall upon them. So I feel like it's an act of faith that hastening God's wrath upon them. Yeah, I it's just one of the it's it's such an inspiring it's not even it's not even that's inspiring, it's that it's clear. It's just you guys have been so clearly standing on the sovereignty of Christ over his bride. Mm-hmm. I think it, it just brings a clarity. Um, a clarity to what the call for the church and the gathering is. Mm-hmm. It's something down here in our church that has been, has been, it's been crystallized mm-hmm. um, um, since, since March, uh, geez, almost a year, a year and nine months ago. Mm-hmm. It, it really crystallized it for us. And then you guys having to walk through it in much more severe ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess that's just the 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 fact that your government has accelerated a little further to the progressive build back better model faster than ours has, although ours is certainly trying very hard uh, to to adopt that that method. Um, and and from what I hear, if, as far as the charter, your, your your Canadian charter versus what our Bill of Rights is, the enumerated rights of the Bill of Rights in the Constitution, it seems that the Bill of Rights is a little more uh, firm compared to the Canadian Charter. At least that's what what we've heard. Well, the Canadian Charter is is has has come from the same stream of of liberty of of English liberty that the Bill of Rights would have come from, dating back to Magna Carta and common law and the English common law. Yeah, English law. Yep. But the the problem with the charter is it was written by Pierre Trudeau, who's, um, and and it was in I think 1980 he wrote it, but it has a little poison pill at the beginning of it. So there's a lot of wonderful things in it, but the all of those things it says at the beginning of it can be stripped away from us if it can be justified in a free and democratic society, and nobody really knows what justified in a free and democratic society means. Hmm. So. It, and and so Trudeau Senior put that in there, and and it seems like the charter ever since Trudeau brought it in has not been good for the church. It's been and our Christianity. It's been used as a club against us. Mm. And I don't think there's been one court ruling um, with a charter case that's been really that good for us. I could be wrong, but all the ones that I'm aware of, um, whether it's the striking down of the Lord's Day law or it's the Trinity Western case or um, whatever i i hasn't been very hasn't been terribly good so it was a it was a setback in liberty whereas before the charter the rights would have been more clear-cut because they would have so yeah so you're saying that this uh the the long legacy of trudeau's Mm -hmm. pulling (laughs) the rights of canadians is has is just generationally and decades old now yeah, so Trudeau Sr. Um, was the one that really accelerated secularism in Canada. And and so anyone that is a true blue Canadian um, would remember the Trudeau Sr. days with contempt. And and now they see his son basically as twice the son of hell that he was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just from where I sit, uh, yeah, between, you know, what with the blackface and all and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like Trudeau, Trudeau Senior really, really ushered in the socialist, um, I guess, multicultural, um, secular Canada. Yeah. And it, whereas, as opposed to more of a, a Christian culture, but a bicultural Canada between English, English speaking Protestants and French speaking Catholics it became more of a, a multicultural where all cultures are equal as opposed to a Christian culture being kind of the dominant one. And then since then, it's just been downhill pretty fast. It's, it's subjectivity. As soon as you bring somebody into the discussions of things like, you know, righteousness, uh, everything goes to, 
crap pretty quick, really. Every time. Yeah, yeah. Multiculturalism basically makes the government the 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 government rises up and says all cultures are equal. So the government becomes the highest authority in, in that context. And that's what we've been living in since you know the, the 70s, I guess. As if it's virtue. It literally is packaged in religious virtue. Yep. Correct. I always have to remind myself that your colors are opposite of our colors when it comes to for political parties. For when it comes to conservative liberal <laughs> so our, our conservatives red your conservatives blue that's very, very <laughs> well, they call themselves conservative <laughs> well yeah 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 we, we understand that that's on a i have a conservative premier here in ontario and he's brutal he's and then anyway yeah, yeah, yeah well both conservative we've heard that purple is really the color you yeah. know to, to, to go after in canada <laughs> yeah they weren't bad they did they weren't bad they it's a pretty epic line when you're getting arrested and your your response is, do you have any weapons? Only my words. <laughs> and that's a good response. That was pretty epic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. From Maxine. Maxine we Canadians that they need to figure out a, a good tagline for when they're arrested. You know, jokingly, but it's also unfortunately terribly, terribly yeah. serious. Yeah, it's not well, great. Um, so uh, we, we've got a couple questions uh, from people up in Canada um you know from, from you know from various different church contexts but all would be supporters um here's one that's really practical they ask at what point or should there be a point when the church goes underground so not not publicly standing but kind of going underground to operate and what would be the general criteria for something like that that you might be able to think of acknowledging that each case would kind of be individual, you know, as the situations are different. But any thoughts right. to that? So we've, we've resisted going underground, I think, longer than any other evangelical church in Ontario um, that's been attacked, at least. Um, so a lot of ones that were attacked went underground within a week or two, but we've, we've tried to stay above ground. And, but we've, um, my, and my my thinking behind that is it, 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 there's multiple facets to it, but one I think maintaining a public witness to Jesus Christ is very important. So people say, well, they go underground in China, yeah, but they torture people and steal their kids and separate families and that kind of thing in China, kill them. So yeah, prison camps and such there for people. Yeah, like we're just dealing with fines, and they're heavy fines, but. The Lord's taking care of us. And and another thing is, the sooner you go underground, the more you invite the, the government to act like communist China, right? Mm. Whereas, so if, oh, all the churches, all the churches turtled and went underground. Oh, okay. Huh? Then, then we can expect that there'll be no public witness to Christ. And let's just keep on with our, our terrible agenda. And and I and I and I really think in in staying above ground and taking the hits and taking the beatings, um, I, I think it inspires courage in others too, which is what I've hoped that we would do. And and furthermore, right. by maintaining this very very public witness for Jesus Christ, it's brought a lot of people into the kingdom. And so we've have regular baptisms of people being saved from all kinds of backgrounds. So we had a number of people saved on or baptized on Sunday. We've had 80 baptisms since we reopened in June, 2020 mm. and, and just all manifold backgrounds from all kinds of different walks of life. And the Lord is bringing people into the kingdom and building his kingdom. So there's a number of reasons that I've wanted. And I, and I really think by staying above ground, and by taking the hits, you're you're declaring to an onlooking world that Christ is worth it. Yeah. Amen. So yeah. there there's a time to go underground. Sometimes the people might need a break um, from the attention and the drama. And but I think if that's if that's what the reason is, then that's that's that might be a good reason. Um, but I think that we should attempt to stay above ground as long as we can and just trust the Lord to take care of all of the the needs that we have. Um, when the fines come and, and we get treasures in heaven for, for doing that kind of thing and maintaining that level of a public witness. Yeah. Once I, burn up, yeah. I read, uh, I've re someone gave me a book, pastor Steve Richardson gave me a book on um, 
one of the field preachers in Scotland during the, the reign of Charles II. And I read through that and I was really struck by it because those men, those men tried to stay above ground even when their lives were threatened and uh, they were killed eventually, but they wanted to stay above ground publicly and they would, they would hold field services with a thousand people out in the open. And I mean, they would try and deke out the, the, the authorities, but they still, they still invited people in a very open, non-secretive way that was attempting to be covert from the ones who would hurt them. So that, that's my thinking behind it. I, I, I discourage going underground if you can help it. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm getting that actually. Yeah. I, I don't think, <laughs> I think, I think we'd be better off if more churches in Ontario had stayed above ground. I really do. Yeah. And I think, I think we'd be better <clears throat> off. So there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you, you're absolutely right. And even, even so far as into New Jersey and, you know, I, I know I've got friends in various places across the United States that have seen the stands, um, you know, that, that you and others have made. And it has boldened, it has boldened the church. It has strengthened the church. It has pared down all of these dumb things that churches talk about, like what color of the carpet and how many fog machines we have. And it really boils it down to who are we going to worship on Sunday and who are we going to crown as Lord on Monday and Wednesday and it really it really has strengthened um so many that that we've talked to and interacted with so uh I mean as far as that's concerned mission accomplished I know it might look bleak there in Ontario but well, it's not like I've I had another pastor I said you know I'm on a group chat with a, a bunch of pastors and I said if, is there anyone in Ontario that's willing to take it to the wall um, if there's another lockdown another brother said he would so and there's there, you know, and this is this is what I want to see. It's, I want to see pastors and churches emboldened. And you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. And and I want to I want to prove my love for Jesus by suffering for him. And I want to suffer for him publicly because he suffered for me publicly. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. So you mentioned. Um... That you you got your elders were ticketed, correct? That's right. All of our elders have been ticketed, and are and every single one of them is um, liable for hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines and years in jail. Every one of them. So one of the questions we got, and it was kind of an interesting one. I don't know how it'll fit in, but the question stemmed if individual members were receiving tickets at the church. Do you, does that in any way affect your decision process in thinking about how you meet, when you meet? Um, would that affect that in any way? If well, individual, mem- multiple of our members have been ticketed. Yeah. So, so the last service that we had in our building before we were locked out of it, the police lined up on the road and there were, there were cruisers who chased people down and pulled them over and ticketed them. And then we had a, a hymn sing in our parking lot as they were about to lock us out of our building. And they recorded the license plates of people that were there and showed up at their homes at night and ticketed them. So we've had probably dozens of people in our church ticketed. And, and I guess like there's, you, you gotta, you gotta be able to sh- weigh it out. Okay. So do the people need a break or not? And there's times where you got to pull back. I think if you can sense your, the sheep need to sit down by green, in green pastures and still waters for a little while. But, but I think part of the job of the pastor is to teach the sheep that it's glorious to suffer for Jesus Christ. And so I've, I have, I have wrestled with that. I, I've, I think the hardest thing for me is, is not the tickets that I've gotten the beating that I've taken, but the hardest thing has been to see our elders take a beating and, yeah. And to see our people take a beating, that's the worst part of it. But at the same time, if I'm being faithful as a pastor, I need to teach our people that it is good to, to take a beating for Christ. And, and really, my job as a pastor is to, take, is to teach them to be crucified for Christ. So all of that has to play into this. 
Yeah, seeing, I, I can only imagine seeing your fellow elders that you serve with who feel like, for all intents and purposes, brother arms, mm-hmm. um, and to see them also. Sometimes it's much easier to count the suffering that comes personally and much harder to see that suffering in other lives as well. So that does definitely. Well, I feel like, I feel like it's, I get a lot of credit for what's gone on at Trinity, but the reality is, is there's a bunch of unnamed brothers who are right in there with me who, who don't get a a lot of public credit, but have, have taken a pretty, (laughs) taken a massive beating and have put a lot on the line. I have, I have not ever wondered if my name being in the newspaper is going to, is going to hurt my ability to earn a paycheck. I've never wondered. Okay. Right. But there's obviously does directly. Well, you, you don't know. I don't know. I mean, God's taking care of everyone so far. Praise the Lord. But again, like, I think, I think the pastor, like Jesus, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, if if you, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And so, I think I think the pastor's job is to teach his people that Christ is worth losing your job over. Christ is is worth being fined over. Christ is worth going to jail over. Christ is worth dying for. And and so part of staying open publicly is teaching people that. And and so you see that though because you see the backbone in a lot of our people now, is they're facing. Um, you know, they, they themselves have conscientious objections to, for example, being vaccinated and their jobs are now on the line and, and they're, and they're not flinching. They're not afraid to stare because they've not only have they seen their elders stare down the authorities, but they themselves have been in a place where they knew that if they came to church, the cops could ticket them, could follow them home, could pull them over and they could be up liable for, th- for thousands of dollars in fines. It's, and just, it's wonderful to see like there's a power right, in there. yeah there, there's a power in our church that i've sure. i have never experienced when you have hundreds of people showing up for church and it's costing them something um the the worship is sweet it is very sweet amen we have not had to experience anything like that but it is for certain that the worship has been much sweeter since we were faced with the reality that we, oh, well, we probably, we didn't, we didn't meet for three weeks at our church. So when they, when they shut everything down and it was 14 days to, I guess, I guess, quote unquote, slow the spread or something, whatever verbiage was used down here. We, uh, we ended up closing for three, was it four Sundays? Or was it three Sundays? It was only three. And we did online and it was like, it's not, it's not. That's what, not church. It's not what Christ has called us to do. No, sight and remotely close. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of pastors around here that, and some of them were my friends. I haven't talked to them in months now, but I I just I it grieves my heart to see how how much they've compromised and how much they've tried to justify their cowardice. Yep, so much justification going on. Yeah, they it, it, you just you wished you thought brothers would do better. But and but there's still room for them to repent. But to, to see the the attempt to justify cowardice and compromise is, is just sad. Yeah, I mean that's that's been a constant theme, you know, as we talk to you know you, Pastor James, you know Pastor Tim privately, and and others, like just the Doctor Rock, like just the amount of grief, uh, you know, just kind of personal grief is. You know, it's easy for us to do an episode on the the, Gel- the Gospel Coalition, not the Gelding Coalition, the Gospel Coalition Canada, and see the lack. That's the idea. <laughs> there for a reason. Um, you know, it's easy for us to be down here and critique that, and to just you know shake our heads at the at the just blatant disregard of they're, they're taking the scripture. They're like, okay, let's put that over here, and then let's try to figure out this problem without it. Um, it's, it's one thing for us to sit up here and critique it, but it's another thing for you guys to live that. And that, that pain, you know, uh, has not prevented you from moving forward, but it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be there. Um, you know, and that's, that's just been so evident with everybody that we've been talking to recently and, and you echo the same sentiment. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's actually it's exposed to me. And I think this is the most lamentable thing that this, this is what has grieved me and been the heaviest 
on my heart is it is is I thought I knew the Canadian church was weak, but I didn't know it was this weak. Mm. I didn't I didn't know it was this shallow. And and now I'm seeing it. Mm. I'm seeing the compromise in the denominations. I'm seeing the compromise in the in more influential churches. I'm seeing the compromise in the seminaries. Mm. And and now I I I'm seeing it and I'm like, wow, this is really really exposed things in a way that I didn't think it was this bad. It's totally true. I think, I feel like, I feel like what's been sad for me is to have seen it coming for so long, this just dribble of, of vending towards Satan in whether it be seminaries or churches, elder boards across the country denominations. And, the denominations. <laughs> and and to see it coming for so long and then COVID happens. And then it was instead of, it was the fruit, it was, it was the fruit from that root that had been growing so long underground. Suddenly the, the amount of, the amount of compromising that was willing to be done um, against God's word for the sake of a public mandate in any of its various forms was just uh it was. It's very disheartening. I think. I think what what struck me, like I used to be, like we, because we took our stand early on, and so people were coming to our church, fed up with various things. You you know, a year and a half, well, not a year and a half ago, but June, July, August, two thousand twenty, right? So just over a year ago, and I and they would come and gripe to me about their pastors, and I would say to them look, take it easy on them. Everyone's trying to sort this stuff through. It's, it's not an easy time. And, and I'd, I'd actually tell a lot of them to go back to their churches and try to work it through. And that was, that was my, my rule of thumb until I saw the way they acted when James Coates was arrested. And when I saw that, I realized, no, these guys aren't trying to sort stuff through. They're cowards. Because they're so callous in how they're talking about that. And and then I came out, I guess you could say, guns blazing against the Canadian clergy. And I haven't really let up since. Because, But before that, I was very soft towards them. Because I'm like, everyone's sorting this through. It's not easy. But once I saw no empathy, no love for him, for his family, um, for his church, and criticism... Uh, from a whole bunch of different sectors, I thought this is this is absolutely putrid. There's and, criticism and condemnation coming down. It was yeah, it, it was disgusting. Re- it, it was, was absolutely <laughs> disgusting, and 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 it exposed to me how dark these their their souls are. Well, sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell, and sometimes you don't know if you're putting if you're sending a sheep back to be cared for by a wolf. You don't. That's not a situation. And it's not a situation any of us as pastors would want to put out a person into, you know, and if you're looking at that situation and you're telling them, no, you need to, well, you know what, maybe you don't need to work on that. You know what, actually, that's not a place you should know. That's not right. You know what, you're right. Say, come get plugged in. Come get plugged in the body of Christ. Because that's what's best for the, the bride of Christ is to be in body. So, yeah. Got got another question. So, like, uh, I mean, I didn't really care. I this is getting personal. I personally didn't really care much about politics. Politics until our twenty six. Politics. Politics. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Paul, the author of Hebrews. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't really terribly interested in politics until the twenty sixteen election down here, which was the the infamous election where Donald Trump got elected. But, um, you know, even still, even down here, there's this echo that Christians really shouldn't be involved in politics or political things um, that, you know, we kind of just separate that off and let, I don't even know what they think, let the, let the secular realm deal with the politics and we'll be over here in our churches. So um, should Christians be involved in politics? Why and to what extent? I used to actually, I, I guess I'm a little more of the opposite. I've been following politics since I was a teenager and I've had my, I guess, political um, theory, my understanding of how politics should work and how government should work hammered out in my, in my brain since my early to mid twenties. And it's just been more refined since, but um, certainly even in my teenage years, my 
political thinking was being formed. Um, and I guess maybe it was the home I was raised in and, and so on. But I, I, I was more inclined years ago as a pastor to say, get involved in politics. And I'm not, I'm not disinclined to say, get involved in politics now. I was more inclined years ago to get involved in politics. I was involved in a local campaign against our school board that took a lot of my time and energy years ago, but I, I'm now less inclined. And the reason I, I, I'm less inclined, I'm less excited. I, I'm, there's a, it's, I don't think it's a bad level of cynicism, but there is, there is a level of, I guess, skepticism because I don't think, the solution right now is a political solution with so few faithful churches in the country. I just don't see a political power grab even feasible at this point. And, and I, and I haven't been able to see that for a few years. So some have got, some got really excited about the 2021 Canadian election. I was disengaged. I voted. I I said a few things. I told people what I thought, but beyond that, I, I was, really unwilling to get involved. I've been asked to speak at anti-lockdown rallies. I basically stand up and tell people when I'm at them that the gun, that the reason we're in lockdown is because the country's under God's wrath and you've mm-hmm. abandoned God's law. And the only way back is through repentance. And so I think, I think the problem right now is a worship problem. And it might be a little different in the United States where you have more faithful churches, hopefully, and but but up here i don't i don't I, if christians want to get in politics and make the word of god bear on politics great yes do it it should the word of god is should bear on all of life but i do not want to spend my time energy and money on it i want to spend my time energy and money on building into our own congregation training up pastors planting churches starting christian schools i want to start a christian seminary um but I, I, and I, and I feel like that's the future because we're just watching all this stuff burn to the ground right now anyway. And, and something better rise eventually when this is all done and when we're all through this, I really believe something better is going to rise, but, but the system is so endemically corrupt that I, I just can't get excited about it. And I know politicians, I I'm, I'm friends with some politicians, but, and I, I'm happy to, you know, to pray with them. And, and if they ask me what I think, I'll tell them. But at, at the end of the day, I just don't want to, I, I can't be bothered spending a lot of energy on it because I just, I just don't see it as a, as a solution right now to our problems. You know, that, that, makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm not, and I'm not saying retreat. I'm not saying retreat. I'm not, I'm not of the mentality. Why, why rearrange this the pieces of the, are the, the furniture on the Titanic that's going down. That's not, a, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if you're in a triage unit, you have to assess what the, what the biggest crisis is. And to me, the biggest crisis is the lack of pastors. Mm. And, and so we need to train up more pastors and we need to train up more young people with a Christian worldview and plant more churches with a Christian worldview. So I, I have a, the vision to, we've had the vision at our church for a long time, uh, to, to plant churches all the way north of us, um, up, uh, we call it Highway 6, up the Bruce Peninsula, and we want to do that. And, and, and I guess you could say re-Christianize this part of Ontario mm. and, and start out. Like, our church, people are actually coming to our church from different parts of Ontario right now. And, and I'm, I'm praying that, you know, maybe a new Geneva will emerge here. Mm. Ah, amen. Man, we're, excellent. We're definitely not opposed to any of that happening. <laughs> that answers your question. I know that I know that some are more excited about politics, but I've been kind of the rain on your parade as far as politics go this election season because and I and it wasn't a solution. What did we get? We got the same garbage, you know. Yeah. And and even if you know the conservatives got in, they're all, they're not much better than the liberals. And they, some said, well, maybe the People's Party will get in up here. Well. They didn't really have much of a chance, but, you know, they got some attention and it probably, it probably created some waves and, and they, they have a decent platform. So it wasn't a super platform, but it was decent. They're more of a libertarian bent, bent, but yeah, at least they don't want us to be under lockdowns. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a plus. I, yeah. I say. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we feel that tension as well. Because what I don't feel like you're saying is to not be aware. You're not saying to not be no. aware, not be engaged. Because to be involved in politics is to be involved in public. It's, it's the same root word, so it's the same level of engagement. It's 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 what it is. So you're not saying to not be aware, to not you know be able to know uh, uh, the 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 good good ways to biblically argue for proper formatting and proper righteous laws. You're just saying that to invest your your energy in that seems futile, which, which does seem um, that does seem to, to be much to be divested between the work of the church and, and trying to uh, make the best Christian school you guys can, can get going and, and to want to plant churches to divest from that into uh, uh, politics. is going to, it's going to cause you to, to lose that momentum where you want it. You know, it's a, it's the concentration of power, right? Right. So when I like I argue for for a Christian worldview, I I I teach our people how to apply the law of God to all areas of life, including public policy. Um, there's a reason I consider our government tyrannical, because they they steal private property, like church buildings. They shut down, <laughs> which is private property. They forbid people from working six days and seven when they put them under lockdown. So these are all violations of God's law and they all speak to public policy. So, so I teach on this stuff, but as far as actively being involved in the political realm, I feel like at this point in time, because it's so corrupt, it's a black hole and we need to, we need to build, um, we, we need to, we need to build a wall around Jerusalem and build the temple and um, and then maybe we'll get involved in politics after that's all done. But it's going to ultimately all of life flows out of worship. And until true worship is restored, um, I don't think you're going to see any really good political solutions. You heard it here. Pastor Jacob Realm is building the new Jerusalem in <laughs> Canada. He is. Built- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amen. We are. We are the all- new crusade. <laughs> we are all- <laughs> Oh gosh, we're gonna bring the crusades in now, are we? Okay. I don't think so I don't think we should. You know what? Let's move forward. You want to talk crusades? <laughs> Not really. I talk crusades. I enjoy. I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy the crusades. I can, we can get into the full on Middle Ages. I'm all about it. Oh boy. Next next podcast. Next next yeah the next one. <laughs> Monasticism. How do you feel? Oh, all right now. Um, <laughs> How about uh, you want to do? You know what you want to do? Education. Do I, I do. I, I think that that piggybacks in. So I, I mean, think you're right because you've been talking about building culture up there. Yeah. So I mean, I, I remember watching the videos and watching the posts when when you guys were finally let back in. That one of those kind of joyous components was that the school was kind of going to be able to start doing its thing in the building. Um, so um, you know, as as like I homeschool Justin, uh, you know, put his kids into private Christian education. So what role do you see um, Christian education playing uh, as, when it comes to turning the tides for, for, this Western, uh, for this Western world that's just been so squishy? Uh, what role do you see the Christian education playing in that? Well, we're, we're rebuilding a society is another society is burning. And so we're, we're, we're a little more advanced in the burning in Canada this part of Canada, but as we watch this society crumble, there's gotta be something, there's gotta be something that, that, that's, that's there when it's done. And that's what we're doing with our own classical mm. academy. We named it after King Alfred, who was the only English monarch ever called great because um, he really, he, he rebuilt a Christian society in England that had been decimated by Vikings as a God, as an act of God's judgment on a country that had turned its back on the gospel. And so that's what we're hoping to do. You know, I feel like you're real uh, monarch, monarchically inclined here. I feel like there's some sort of, I'm getting this vibe about you guys up there. And I want you to know, once you, once you stop kissing the ring, it gets pretty good down here. I'm just saying, come on down. You can leave all the, 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 <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have a friend at work who is a, uh, I don't think you would ever listen to this, but if you're, if you're listening, Kev, this is for you. I have a friend at work who is a, uh, he's just an ardent, 
uh, monarchical Catholic, Catholic, and he believes that the church and the king should, they, the kings should be trained and grown up and church next to the king. And um, that is his preferred form of government, uh, holistically speaking. Um, and uh, we always have very interesting conversations. <laughs> we have very interesting conversations. Is that, is that what you said? That's what you're going for? Is that now? Uh, no. <laughs> not the Catholic thing. <laughs> Definitely not. The but I do think, but I do think the government should be like the, the the ministers of government and the officers of government should be under the discipline of the church. Like, there's no doubt about that, right? Ooh. I'm on board. It, I mean, it, it only ma- it just makes sense. Like at the beginning of our founding in our country, all of our state constitutions required that they actually be um, in some form Protestant Christian. Um, that was in most of the constitutions of the states as they founded. <laughs> Did you say Protestant? Yes, because I like to say it that way. Because <laughs> I, I, that was the whole goal of our nation starting. It was Pro- revolutionary, my friend. Protestant? Yes, yes. Okay. But that, <laughs> I'm like, you're making fun of me for how I say words. <laughs> you do realize part of the word is in there, right? Like right, it's always word. been in there, even when we say Protestant. Well, I can it's say still that in there. I don't even know what you're talking about. This is our problem. Gosh, damn. we're on board with that. We, uh, we are very thankful for Christian education. I was incredibly, <laughs> we made the jump this year for our kids. Um, we have so many deep relationships with uh, families that we have cultivated in the public education sphere. Um, and thankfully our school district had been, um, I don't know if intentionally shielded or just uh, ignorant to a lot of the Marxist push that was coming in um, in significantly more obvious ways into our public education system. Um, but it started, the creep started to become quite evident. Uh, just, it was, I don't know if it's, I don't know if COVID just made everything crazy. I don't know if that was the trigger. Um, but but it definitely started to intensify even the, the past year, year and a half in our public education system here in our little town. And um, and as we saw that, as we heard how our school board was leading, um, we started thinking long and hard about how we were going to move forward because just just the way it was being run. Um, I knew I didn't have the ability or the time to properly invest into joining the school board and running. I just knew that wasn't going to be something I, I could possibly do. Um, and so we made the switch and I was super nervous because we have deep ties. Like we, we are really, we've been able to speak a lot of truth to a lot of families. Um, and my, my daughter who's uh, 12 had so many relationships, uh, but I cannot tell you how incredibly happy they are. They are, they are happy to go to school. There's no tension. There's no worry. It's been such a blessing by God. And that was a lot of prayer. That was a lot of prayer, <laughs> but it's been awesome. It's been so awesome to see. Yeah. It's so much better. We've, we've been grateful for our kids, Christian education. It's been so good. Yeah. Amen. How about, how about a, a real fun question? What have been some of those unexpected blessings uh, and testimonies that have come from all this for you guys? Just well, to- for me personally, the friends that I've made, I mean, I've, I've made friends with pastors um, that I, I didn't even know before this. And, and so that's been an, an incredible treasure. I think being able to see I th- things clearly. So when you go through persecution, it, it separates the gold from the fool's gold as far as people go. Yep. And so you've really seen you've seen gold shine that you didn't even know was there, but now it's shining bright as the sun. That's awesome. um, and, and that has been the most, I, I mean, I, I lamented earlier in this podcast and in this interview where I said how pathetic or sad, sad of a state Canadian churches are in, but then at the same time, as sorry of a state as many of them are in, boy, there, there are some real precious precious pastors and pastors wives and churches in this country that that I have discovered that I didn't even know existed so that has been that that fills my heart with joy it really does that's that's a that's a beautiful beautiful thing um I think when we were talking with the coats we kind of mentioned that too like you know we're we didn't really 
and we didn't really introduce ourselves to you that much even beforehand, but uh, we, we planted a church here in Glassboro, New Jersey, uh, nine years ago, I guess, 2012. Yeah, this anyway. is November, right? Yeah, yeah, right. That's what we keep telling ourselves. Um, so, we, yeah, we, we planted a church here, and it, it does. It can feel very isolated, mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're looking around and when you're talking to people and you, you think that a relationship's going to be go, go one way and then it just doesn't pan out, and you're like, okay, well, I guess we're just doing this here in, here in South Jersey alone. But, you know, like mm-hmm. we, when we randomly decided to sell T-shirts and, you know, that somehow took off, with uh, support for James when he was in jail, um, just seeing all of the places all across the United States that were willing to stand and support him, support them. Mm-hmm. And, and it, that was just like, it was an encouragement. I know it was an encouragement to them, but it was like an, a huge encouragement to us. Like, okay, there's a remnant here. There's, there's much pruning, but there is uh, a lot of good growth here. Still the, the church is not dead in America. And that was like a huge Sometimes blessing. you got to cut off the dead and, and burn it in a fire you know sometimes you got to do that to get the help growing yeah i mean that's just that's just the way sometimes it works for uh for an orchard to grow fruitful yeah i think I agree. and that's what's going on too like there's a pruning going on up here and so i we don't want to go into another lockdown in ontario but if there is then maybe it's just going to put some of these dead churches out of their misery <laughs> some churches just need to be taken out behind the barn and, just, <laughs> and put down like old yeller oh my gosh all right you have that in Canada, Old Yeller? You saw that? Is that yeah, a- yeah, I read that. that makes sense? All right. All right. I don't know what transfers, because we had Erin Coates on here. She was talking about cheesies. We have you, no idea. You're aware of cheesies, I'm assuming? Cheesies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, we and had no idea. And then she said Cheetos. I went, oh, yeah, no, we know what Cheetos are. <laughs> uh, but anyway. That's stuff, stuff still gets lost in generation. <laughs> do you have any... Um, you have, so we, we are aware of some of those needs, but it, what are some prayer requests and needs you guys are having whether it be you personally, your family, um, or or even Trinity, just Trinity Bible Chapel at large, that we be, be thinking to meet and pray on. Well, we need, like, we need a lot of wisdom. If we do go into another lockdown, we want to be, we just, we need wisdom on, on, on what to do, right? So there's a big target on us. And um, so how are we going to, how are we going to handle this? is is what we we need help with from god and how are we going to best be able to to honor him um if we if we do go into another lockdown um we'll probably be charged and you know we keep the doors open we'll be charged with contempt of court again doors will be locked again i don't know that'll likely happen and we'll have the next fine for contempt of court i I mean, the last one was 123,000 the one before 125,000 the one before that was 83,000. So they they go up every time it seems. And you don't really appeal those once you're in contempt of court. So we we just need a lot of wisdom on how best to move forward. You know, and the the people in the church um they're people are learning through this. Like it's a real it's a real challenge. Like there's dozens of people in the church that wondering if they're going to have a job because there are these vaccine mandates and it's it's quite interesting actually the local hospital well it's i'm getting off track you asked me what i can pray what you can pray about so there's some things to pray, about. <laughs> pray, pray for some you know the lord provides for us financially and um so far he's taking care of us but continues to do so i want to start a high school so we'll pray that we can start a high school here. We have a K-8 elementary school, but love to start a high school as soon as we can. And we'd love to start a seminary too and plant more churches. <laughs> so pray about those things. Absolutely. Those are all perfect requests. Yeah. Is your, um, do you still have uh, the donations to the legal fund up? Is that still something you guys are receiving uh, donations on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, you can donate to that. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just double checking so that we yeah. When we share stuff out, we want to make sure we're sharing the right stuff out. That's all. I just want to make sure that was still up and running. It's up and running. There's lots of legal bills. That's, about <laughs> That's what we hear. We're good. We're good. <laughs> all right. We'll make sure that is in the notes for sure. Check the notes, everybody. And uh, and you can follow that link right on over there. Um, because if you're tallying, we're looking at somewhere over what? like I, I think it was like $400,000. Is that something more or less? So for the contempt of court stuff, um, 
we're on the hook. We've paid a lot of it already, but um, we are on the hook for 200 and I don't know, something. I mean, the church itself is liable for 50 million in fines, I think. I, I mean, but that's that stuff still has to go through the court system. I don't know where that's going to go. So, but you, if you not fines, like you just kind of start over, I think. <laughs> you know what, guys? We're going to go ahead and reset here, eh? Because that's, that's ridiculous. We don't know where that's going to end up. There's constitutional challenges and all kinds of stuff for that yet. So that's that's way down the road. But yeah. I mean, if we lose our constitutional challenge, I mean, I think you could pretty well say that Canada is a failed state at that point. Yeah. Well, we'll be certainly appealing to our, well, not to our governor, but to other governors to make sure that we can receive Canadian refugees here into the United States. Yeah, there will probably be fairly friendly about refugees, but yeah, yeah want to go down there. They asked Biden wants you to get a vaccine before you go down there now, though. So. You know, it's a big but if border. You climb I see the big... southern border. <laughs> swim across the Rio Grande. It's exactly. We it. can get you guys in. Okay, there's just ways. All right, let's all calm down. We can make this happen. But, uh, Not that we're saying we would do that. If this should ever be listened to by anyone important. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein definitely killed himself. For whoever's <laughs> definitely listening. killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but yes, we can also be praying for the hundred something uh, healthcare employees that got let go in uh, Windsor. Is that, is that, no? Yeah, something happened down there. Our, our local hospital, I don't know what they're going to do. They've got four, uh, last I heard, there were 1,400 hospital workers that haven't submitted their VAX papers. That's 25% of their workforce. So and they're always saying that, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, the hospital's about to collapse. So what are you going to do? Fire 25% of your workforce in a pandemic? Not so much. Not so much. That's not and between a rock and a hard place, right? So yep. it's, it's quite interesting to watch things unfold here locally. And apparently it's the same thing with the school board locally. They've got all kinds of them that haven't submitted it. So it's going to be really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's similar to New Jersey, actually. I think our governor was one of the first ones to mandate... Um, vaccines for healthcare workers and uh, our last episode talked a little bit you know our constitution would allow for religious exemptions to that um you know but now they're making those people submit to weekly testing which is you know anti-science but that's besides the point yeah ours is the same thing weekly testing and then propaganda videos yeah yeah if you're not testing everyone, then what's the point? If this is what I, you know what? It's, it's a different. Anti- it's anti-science. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's operating. It's operating on. It's, totally um, it's absolutely ridiculous. But <laughs> we, we always. <laughs> so we always end our uh, our interviews with a one particular question that gets asked of politicians a lot here in the states. I don't know why, but it's something that um, the media gets obsessed about. So the question we want to ask for you is: What is your favorite ice cream? Uh, it's too late at night. This I like. I don't know. I like all ice cream. Oh gosh, that is such the answer the politician would give. No, it? but honestly, I've never had an ice cream I don't like. Oh, uh, fair enough. Uh, it's a sardine flavor. You should try. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of. I I like all ice cream. All right. Well, he, does, he doesn't discriminate. What's your favorite <laughs> snack food then? <laughs> your go snack food. We're not going to let you go to bed until you would be either Ruffles potato chips. I really like those. Or um, uh, summer sausage. <laughs> you know, the, the dried summer sausage. Yeah, yep. oh, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with. You. I like to embark on my, on my logs of meat as well. They are delicious. I just like to eat pretty much everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I always want to say from from us here at the Carbophytic Podcast. Thank you, Esther Jacob Rayom. Uh, and you guys uh, that are listening have a ton of prayer requests uh, to be lifting up um, Pastor Rayom and Trinity Bible Chapel. Uh, so that is more than enough reason, I think, for us all to seize the faith.